I'm going to give you something the Lord has given me, and I will try to be um, sensitive to the Lord over this. I believe this could be um, considered a very sensitive subject, um, but I really have it on my heart. And I think if I have it on my heart, um, I think it ought to be preached. Amen. And so I want you to hear the word of God this morning or this afternoon. And um, we'll go from there. And so Genesis chapter number 16 this afternoon. Could we stand in reading of the reverence of the word of God? We'll reverence the word of God. I've reverenced him sitting down as well. So if you're not able to, that's okay. Um, But we'll stand and um, read the scripture. We're going to read the first six verses. I've never preached this before. You pray for me this morning. I really need God's help. Uh, Verse 1, the Bible says, Now Sarah... Uh, Abram's wife bare him no children, and she had a handmaid and an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Now that's an important fact that it says that she's an Egyptian, because if it didn't, we know we wouldn't know where she came from. She came from a bad decision in Abram's life. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And um, he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Brother Kyle, could you pray please, sir? Thank you for standing. You can be seated. It's amazing to me, church, the the depths of um, of the depths of which God, some of God's people, will go and can sink into. I mean, saved people. Yeah. Amen. How deep they, they can go into this sin or that sin. And I'm not saying I'm not preaching this, and never will I ever preach this or be able to preach this as a perfect man because I'm not that. And I believe we have one in here. And if you do, teach me your ways. Amen. But here is Abram, or Abraham, as a man who is followed, he's followed God by faith. He's trusted in God. And he's obeyed God to do exactly what God told him to do. That's what Abram has done. He has submitted his will to God's will. And here's that man making a decision that could possibly, that will threaten a lot in his way. God, he, he has believed God. He's left his homeland. He's done all of those things and he's left his family behind. He left everything he had down there and he's trusted God through high battles. He's trusted God in, in trials. Uh, he's trusted God in all of these scenarios that, that, that would have made many men probably turn around in defeat with their head bowed low and quit. This man has came through that this far. 
He's came through all of that, yet for all of his, all of the good faith that he has, all the good deeds in which he has, uh, all of those ha- things, Abram is still found to be a human being. It's amazing, isn't it? He's still found to be a human being, and he's still uh, wrapped in a fleshly, uh, a sinful flesh, and and there's still within him a pull um, towards the world and to the towards the allurements uh, that are in the world, and that's Abraham. We all know probably this passage in particular when it pertains to the life of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. We probably all know about it. Sarah and Abram are um, uh, they try to help they try to help God give them a son that He'd already promised them, and um, they try to do that. And um, they um, began to uh, Sarah approves and give Hagar her handmaid to her husband. Isn't that crazy? Does that sound crazy to any wife in here or not? I mean. Uh, just something crazy to me. I know things were different, but um, this here they are, and they try to um, get this, and they try to rush God's will, and they, but it was never God's will for their life at all. And this did not stop them from rushing into it headlong, though. They did it anyways. I'm getting somewhere. But their decision brought some consequences that they had to face. Their decision brought consequences. And I believe it could bring consequences on... And and I believe their same decision has brought consequences on the world which we live in today. Their decision. You say, Abram and Sarah's decision hurts today? Yes. Yes, it does. Now, we're going to get somewhere in just a moment. But I want you to know that Sarah in this text is representing, as we just kind of consummated, Sarah is Abram's wife. We agree on that, right? She's his wife. Therefore, Sarah is the will of God for Abraham's life. Hagar is not the will of God for Abraham's life. And so I'm going to preach you this thought this evening. And I'm going to give you something that I believe could help you if you'll listen And I promise you I'll try to be done quickly, but I want you to notice something. In any area of your life, Sarah will be enough. Sarah will be enough in any area of your life. We have so many things going on on these cell phones today. We have so many things going on out in this world that our eyes are attracted to. We have so many things that not only our eyes are attracted to, uh, but our, uh, every single one of our figures could be attracted to uh, something in this world and its allurements. And I want you to know that Sarah, I'm going to spend a few moments and tell you that Sarah will be enough in your life. And if Abraham would have realized that Sarah was going to be enough, if he would have trusted God, took God at his word, all the decisions in his life would have been different. All the future in his life would have been different if he would have realized that Sarah will be a love. You apply this to anywhere you want to apply this to today as I bring these thoughts to you. And because there are some things in in my life that I can apply about Sarah being enough, but in your life there might be some things that I can't apply to mine. I hope that makes sense. Whether it be your wife, whether it be your husband, whether it be your your job, whether it be this, whether it be that, however you want to apply it, Sarah's going to be enough. Amen. So I want you to notice, number one, Sarah will, the facts in the text 
show that Sarah was enough. The facts within our text show that Sarah, all the facts behind this we are, we, that we read here are, are far too many to mention that, that, that we can come about to, to prove to us that Sarah was enough. Uh, but, but there are three facts that I'd like to mention to you just quickly within our text. And I'm not going to get out of our text. I might move to a little bit and show you a few things. But I want you to notice that personal in your life, there are going to come some things uh, in your life, whether you're my age or whether you're um, my mom and dad's age or Jimmy's age or whatever. It does not matter. In our lives, it does not matter. Uh, there will be some times that's going to trouble you in your life. And the first thing that we can see in this is that personal longings uh, may trouble you when it comes to your life. Personal longings. Now, in the in that society, on that day, it was considered a, a disgrace for a couple to be childless. Uh, and in that, but in our day, I know many couples choose that lifestyle. Some don't choose that lifestyle at all, but just simply can't help it. And we understand both of the scenarios. But in Abram's day, regardless of the reasons behind it, if a couple had no children, uh, um, they were mocked, they were looked down on, and largely were not accepted uh, by all of society. Society, uh, and so this was a society that also they uh, um, nothing. There was a, there was a, also they did have multiple marriages, and we understand that in those days. Uh, and if a man like Abram were to take uh, Hagar as a concubine, as a secondary wife, uh, uh, no one around him would think anything of it. And we understand that's not the case in this day. Uh, but if that concubine were to bear a child, it would be considered uh, to be the child of the first or the primary wife. Uh, anybody ever heard of this or am I, am I losing somebody? So this is kind of how it is uh, in that day. And in that day Sarah could get the child uh, she desired and be accepted within the community uh, by, that, by what they're choosing to do. And so I, I tell you God's children today well, God's children, the saved child of God, uh, uh, to this very day are often guilty of lowering our standards uh, um, to, to appease the community. I mean, around them, in order to fit in better, in order to do all those things. Uh, um, but it's better to please God and be rejected by man. Uh, oh, we must not fall to that trap. And there must be a clear line uh, of demarcation between the people of the Lord uh, and the people of the world. There must be. Uh, but I'm telling you, in your life, something that you may have a desire for uh, uh, may trip you up and get you in a place where you make a decision that hinders your whole future. Personal longings troubled them. They desired for a child, uh, and they hadn't. They didn't get it in time, right? Yeah. We understand. We know the future, but they didn't. We know the future because we have the Bible. That's the only reason we know the future. And so we understand the facts of that. But their decisions, uh, um, their longings, the things that they desired of, caused them trouble. Watch out for your troubles. Watch out for your watch out for your decisions. Watch out for your longings, kids. Watch out for what you long for. You long for a wife, I'm sure. I'm sure that you long for a wife. And the Bible says, "Blessed is the one that findeth one." Uh, but you got to look for them. You never find some if you don't look for them. You got to pray for them. You got to seek God for them. You got to do those things. And I'm telling you something. In our lives, uh, there is things that we push ahead of God. 
Don't get caught up on that. There's some decisions that, that we're going to have to make in that. But, but there's some longings. There's some past choices that will trouble you in your life. Now the Bible tells us that Hagar was an Egyptian. Isn't that right? Hagar was Egyptian. She is part of the possessions, I believe, that Abraham bought back from Egypt. And in Genesis chapter number 12, he said he brought all that he had. And he had never, had he never journeyed to that country, there would be no, there would have never been a Hagar to marry. We understand God did not like him going to Egypt. It was not God's will for him to go to Egypt. Uh, and so basically he wouldn't have had that temptation in front of him if he'd have never made the trip down to Egypt. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's still reaping the harvest. He sowed in Egypt. That's what he's doing. And you, you, know, you know, we never go into sin and come out clean. I promise you, Nick, every, every, I, I'm not just going to preach some gory message every time, but this is what God's got in my heart. I want... Uh, I'm just telling you something. There's always some reminder and some evidence uh, that you were there in sin in Egypt. That's the law of reaping and sowing. That's the law of reaping and sowing. You said God paid for all my sins. He sure did pay for all your sins, but you'll still reap what you sowed. That's the, God, that's, the, that's the law that God set out uh, in Gen- Galatians chapter 6. Uh, that's the law. But I'm telling you, in your life, uh, if you'll realize, uh, instead of the choices that you made, uh, and instead of all of the troubles that's going to come from you, you must realize Sarah's going to be enough. Hope I'm getting somewhere. Then promises that labor, that may trouble you sometimes. We understand in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, And after these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, said, Fear not, Abram, I am the shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is the Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels. Now he's telling, he's telling Sarah this. Out of your own, or he's telling Abraham this. And so out, out of your own bowels. I don't have to go into detail, but it's, what I'm saying is that what's going to happen is that they're going to have a baby. Yeah. And the promise is going to go through that baby. And God had it that way. God had it planned that way. And, and that tells the story of, the, of God's great promise to Abram and, and how God was going to do that. And blessed be the man that, that curseth them. And, and cursed be the one that cursed them. Uh, and when the promise would give him, uh, we can read all the way down uh, through chapter 15, Abram reacted by faith. He, he reacted in faith to that. He reacted by... Uh, but, but, and I don't know how long from chapter 15 to 16, but however long it is, he's not, he's not reacting by faith anymore. Right. Something has labored, the promise has labored too long. Now I'm telling you, he, Abram, clearly he's began to doubt. And, and he along with Sarah decides that God needs help in fulfilling His promises. After all, God only said that Abram would bear a son. He didn't say with who. Right there, I'm, I'm just saying. 
I'm just telling you, it, it, it's my conviction that doubt uh, um, towards the Word and the promises of the Lord uh, account for most of the problems and our troubles than any other single thing in this world. Yeah. It's because we don't take God at His Word. You ask the disciples if that didn't account for most of theirs. He said, let us go to the other side. In Mark chapter number 5, he said, let us go to the other side. They go through the sea, a big storm arises and all this happens. Jesus is out here doing other things. Oh, and this storm rises and then... No, Jesus is sleeping, excuse me. The storm arises. And they get so afraid and so fearful. Jesus already told you we're going to the other side. Is that right or not? I mean, I mean, he's already said, let's go to the other side. If we could just trust his word... We could just trust His Word. I'm telling you is that we, we would deal with a lot less problems in our life uh, if we would just realize that Sarah will be enough. Sarah will be enough. And we can read what He has promised, but when the promises are fulfilled, immediately we begin to doubt and try to find a way to make it happen ourselves. Uh, and when, we, when will we ever learn that God always keeps His Word? Sarah is enough. Amen or not, Sarah's enough in your life. Amen, I don't care what the facts are, is that Sarah's going to be enough because Sarah is the will of God for your life. Amen, the facts show Sarah was enough. Secondly, I want you to notice the feelings show Sarah was enough. Now the feelings, the expressions in this text, and three, di- three different people have three different feelings about three different things in this situation. Isn't that how it always goes? Everybody has their opinion, right? Everybody does. I mean, all, all three acted differently, but, but I, I believe it's, it's, it's worthy to note that all three act, reacted badly. None of them acted, reacted in a good way about this scenario. None of them at the end acted in a good way. And by the way, when sin and all of its problems uh, or, or any problem from any source for that matter arrives within our lives, most of the people uh, in this room uh, will react to it uh, in three manners. I'm not even going to get into it, but I'm telling you, there's three manners to this. And I want you to see those three manners in which they show us in this text. I believe there's a one thing. The first thing that they show is there's a feeling of regularity. Now we read this in verse 6. But Abram said unto Sarah, Behold, thy handmaid, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. He tried to pretend that there was no problem and that it was, all, it was just all there. Just normal. Just a normal thing. I mean, I mean, it was Sarah's to deal with. He said, you do what you want to do with it. I'm not dealing with it. Right? He totally ignored his responsibility in the whole situation. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, many people try to deal with their own problems by simply ignoring them. But they, this will not work. It will never work. It, it's never going to work. And left unsettled, small problems grow bigger. Right? As the preacher said this morning, at one point of time, Goliath was a baby. Ain't right? But he grew into nine foot six. I mean, he grew, he got bigger. And y'all have heard the story about the snake sizing up that woman? I mean, it's all about that stuff. I'm just telling you is that things grow. 
And in 2 Samuel chapter number 13, you can find another instance uh, where David uh, um, uh, David ignored, there's a, there was a situation going on and David ignored that, uh, which was going on between, between Amnon and, and Tamar. And the problem grew until Absalom took matters into his own hands and killed his own brother. But if daddy would have handled it, amen or not? I'm just telling you that therefore, whether it be a problem in the home or in this job or in the community or at school or in the church, it must be confronted and dealt with or to get out of hand. Yeah. Get out of hand. When I first was ordained in the, in the ministry, um, pre, one of the preachers told me, he said this, he said, don't let anything grow, deal with it. Don't let anything grow, deal with it. And that's the truth. You let things grow, eventually they'll go. And I'm telling you is that this feeling of regularity, we must be cautious with it. That we just think, well, it's not my fault. Somebody else can deal with it. A lot of people feel that way within the church. Oh, it's not my fault. Let somebody else deal with it. Preacher pushed the card to the eel. It's the truth, friend. Just telling you. Just telling you that. Don't, don't worry about it. It's just... just it's, I'm just going to come to church and it's going to be fine. Don't matter if there's a fight on Wednesday night. I wasn't there. I'm just telling you, church. I'm just telling you is that there's a field of regularity and everybody else might be busting at the seams, but you don't have no clue. Be cautious in your life about getting regular about something. Because from regularity comes complacency and comfort and all of the other things that you can follow along with it. There's a feeling that said, it's your job to handle it, Sarah. You did it. You told me to do it. It doesn't matter if I listen to you. You told me to do it, so I just did it. Amen. I believe it, I believe it had a lot to do with Sarah, but you know what? I believe it had a whole lot to do with Abraham. Amen. Can't blame the wife on everything. Amen. It had a lot to do with Abraham. Amen, friend. Had a lot to do with Abraham. If he'd just take hold of something, he would have got out of it. Yeah. If he had enough sense to make a decision, he'd have got out of it. Amen. That's the hardest thing in my home is making a decision. About going where we're going to eat. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's the hardest decision. Like yesterday, my wife said, just choose. It's a good night, woman. You choose. I told you to choose three times. Choose. Just telling you, but the feeling that we get caught up on. It's that feeling. We can't get caught up on that feeling. It will cause us into comfort, complacency. And in our marriage, it can become complacent. I've been married for four years. In, in marriage, it will become complacent. You guys have been married longer than I have, but it will become complacent. I had a man come up to me one time, and listen, I ain't saying our marriage is perfect because it's far, far, far from it. She got a lot of work, friend. Just, but I, all I'm saying to you, all I'm saying is that that feeling, I, I understand, and I, I, I've seen it, and I've been there, but I had a, I had a man tell me one time, uh, he said, one day you won't have kids in that home. And you're only going to love her. You better love her now. It's a big deal, friend. It's a big deal. Because one day the kids ain't going to be in the home anymore. Don't get regular about things. 
There's the feeling of regularity from Abraham. There's the feeling of reprehending uh, from Sarah. Sarah says, and when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. There's a great proverb. And it says, nobody's happy if mama's not happy. That was her decision right there. There ain't nobody going to be happy if Sarah's not happy. I'm going to deal hardly with her. Who made the decision to go? I know it was Abraham too. But who told Abraham to do it? Was it Sarah? Am I right or am I wrong? Is the Bible right or is it wrong? It was Sarah. And because of her decision and Abraham's decision, we've already discussed that Abraham was a problem too. We're not preaching about him. Hold on a second. And so Sarah was the problem in this connection. uh, And she said, ain't nobody going to be happy if I'm not happy about my own decision. And Sarah was miserable because of pride uh, and haughtiness against Hagar. uh, And so she tried to make everyone around her miserable too. She tried to blame Abram for the problem. She tried to blame Hagar from the problem. And we can read on farther if you like to. But look at verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. And I've given my maid in thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eye. The Lord judged between me and thee. She even goes to blaming the Lord. Right? She even dragged God into this own problem. And there are many who approach the problems of their life uh, with a similar attitude. I'm preaching this morning. I'm just telling you this morning. This is my heart. And I, I, I think, I, I'll just preach to Mount Valley this morning. But Sarah's going to be enough in your life. In every scenario, she will be. Uh, and there are many who approach the problems of life uh, in a reprimanding type of way. And if they aren't happy, uh, nobody else is going to be happy in their life. Uh, and and so, so they get nothing but a grouchy, mean-spirited, short-tempered, uh, and become hard to get along with woman. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Amen. Men can be that same way. I know it's the truth. Men can be that same exact way. But I'm preaching to Sarah right now. We're breaking the Bible down, right? Man, I'm, not, I'm trying not to be intimidated by the pew. Well, women are the hardest people to preach to. Man, it's the truth because I'm not one. I don't understand how you work. My dad told me a long time ago, I'm calling him out. My dad told me a long time ago, I was dealing with a situation when I was younger, and he said, he said son, whenever you understand a woman, you write a book because you'll be a millionaire. Amen, Amen. Amen brother Jimmy. I'm just telling you this morning that that is what it's like. Unless we forget, uh, lest we forget, that is not a Christ-like representative. That is not Christ-like to act that way. Male or female, it's not Christ-like to act that way. To be mean-spirited, it's not Christ-like at all. And Christ never displayed that. Look at the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And I can't quote them all, but they're there. And I'm telling you, meekness and gentleness. And none of those things had to do with haughtiness or mean-spirited or any of those ways. It's not Christ-like. It's not Christ-like. I mean, from the pulpit to the pew, it's not Christ-like. 
And he, he would have us learn to ha- God would have us learn to handle our problems of life without attaching others and attempting to make them miserable as we are. Amen. The feeling of, of that. And then there's the feeling of, of, of retreats that she fled from. She fled from her face. And Hagar decided the answer to her problems just run. Just run. And she just packed up and left uh, away from the problem. Uh, this is the most common response of everybody. I mean, when problems arise at church, leave. Am I right? When problems arise at church, don't seek out a, uh, a solution, just seek a new church. I mean, when problems arise on the job, don't fix it, just get a new job. When problems arise in the marriage, don't fix it, just leave. Just leave. Just do that. And and I'm telling you something, that's not God's way. That's not God's design. We can find over there the giants that were in Canaan and there were a number of Israelites and they ran from from them the first time when they went over there because there were giants in that land. I'm telling you something, but before their descendants could ever claim that land, they had to face the giants. You're going to have to face your problems before you get the problems right. Before you get victory over those problems, you're going to have to face them. Amen. Amen. I'm just telling you is that I would just call to your attention too, uh, is that in verse 19, And the angel of the Lord said unto her to return to thy mistress and submit thyself unto her hands. The angel of the Lord, I believe, is a Christophany, is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. And he said, return back to them. So you tell me, God sent them back to the family. Sent Hagar, the problem according to Sarah. Back to the family. I believe he did this for several reasons, but among them is the fact that God intended to use this situation to help each of these three people learn to face their problems in a way. Abram had to face them, Sarah had to face them, and Hagar had to face them. All three of them had to face them, friend. And I tell you something, friend, God's business isn't to make you happy. God's business is to make you holy. He never said, be happy for I was happy. He said, be holy for I am holy. Amen, friend. I'm telling you something, forcing you to face your problems uh, is one way of accomplishing uh, your end in your life. Uh, You need to realize Sarah will be enough. Sarah will be enough. The facts, the feelings, and then lastly, I want you to notice the future surrounding uh, the sin. So there was the facts surrounding the situations, the feelings surrounding the situations, but then there's the future surrounding this sin. Now I want you to notice that. Verse number 10 through verse number 16. We didn't read this text, but I'm going to. And the angel of the Lord uh, said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with a child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. I just want you to, I just want you to realize something real quick and think about this with me just real quick, and it just come to my mind. Is that remember earlier when I said that the community would recognize Ishmael to be Abraham's and Sarah's? That's how the community looked at it then. God did not. 
You say, how do you know that? Genesis chapter 22, they call Isaac his firstborn. Isn't that right? He actually calls him his only begotten. Isn't that right? God didn't recognize him to be Abram's son. I'm telling you, it's a big deal. And he will, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against, be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. I've preached on that. Thank God he sees us. Amen. For she said, Have I also here le- looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called uh, Bilaharah. Be- behold, it was between Kadesh and Bered. Uh, and Abram bare, uh, Hagar bare Abram a son. And Abram called his son name which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Good understanding giveth favor, right? That's what the Bible says. Somewhere within the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressors is hard. Anybody know where that verse is? It's in Proverbs. But the way of transgressors is hard. Do you believe it is? Your sin finds you out. Numbers tells us the sin will find you out. There, there, there's, there's other verses that remind us of those thoughts. Uh, but the sad thing about it is, is that troubles and trials are going to come from sin. They're going to. But there was a lot of situations that come from this sin. I believe the first thought we could give is their first son was given. The Bible tells us that the angel Lord said in her You'll be with child. You should call his name Ishmael. Ishmael is called in verse 12 a wild man. He's called a wild man. And if we're honest, we, uh, we, we, a lot of this world today, uh, I have two boys, okay? Uh, a lot of this world today are responsible for raising wild men. I mean, responsible. Mom and dad were responsible for raising wild men. Lack of standards, lack of teaching in the home. I just expect the preacher to give them everything. I'm telling you, it's our job. It's the home's job to teach our children about God. The preacher's job is just to add on top of what they've already learned at home. Amen. For he would be, but but he would be difficult to handle. Uh, this Ishmael would, uh, and would be aggressive toward others. And Ishmael represents the difficulties that arise uh, when sin is allowed to divert us from God's will in our life. Yeah. Remember, sin brings its own way, yeah. and Ishmael is a picture of that truth. <laughs> what sin do you have in your life this morning? What sin do you have in your life that's going to divert you from the very will of God for your life? What sin? What sin? Remember, as I said earlier, it's the, it, I mean, listen, it's sowing and reaping. I'm grieved. I have grieved and grieved and begged God for mercy when it comes to the fact of the things I've done that my, my children don't have to deal with them. It grieves me, Because I know what the Bible says, thou reap what I sow. Their first son was given. He was a wild man. The family was grieved. Chapter 21. I'm done almost. Chapter 21, verse 9. The Bible says, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing which was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. 
You see what he had to deal with? The family had to be grieved over this situation. As Ishmael grew, the tension surrounding him grew as well. And in other words, basically what I'm saying, the sin of Abram and Sarah, even after many years, still brought heartache and grievous was grievous to them. <laughs> it, it troubled the home. And I would just remind you that our sins, no matter how small, uh, no matter how insignificant you may think them to be, uh, always affect you and those which are around you. They do and they poison our spirit. They sabotage our family uh, and they hinder our walk with God. Friend, I'm telling you, Sarah's going to be enough. Amen, church. Sarah's going to be enough. Uh, And many families are burdened this very afternoon uh, by the so-called hidden sins of those within their family. Uh, And the answer to that sin is to drag it into the light uh, and deal with it. Deal with it. Sin cannot live. Uh, When it is brought out of the darkness and the glorious light of God, uh, it cannot live. It cannot live. Family was grieved. Verse 10 We're going to be done. Because the future of them was grazed. Because even though their sin, even though their sin was, let's see. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Remember, there's the will of God and the not will of God. Right? And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, he's going to be a wild man. The Lord has heard thy affliction. He'll be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. He's going to be a wild man. He's going to be against every man's hand, and every man's hand is going to be against his. You believe the Bible? You believe every means every? You believe whosoever means whosoever? I do too. I'm just telling you, this sin was accomplished by the will of men. It was not accomplished by the will of God. It was going to be used, but God was going to, God was going to use this sin somehow or another. Because God always brings them glory to Himself. It's just how God works. But yet in this, everything has been affected by it. Some say, I, don't, I believe this could be partially proven, that in our eastern natures, over towards the Arab and over towards those types of people, not against those types of people, but they say that this is the same track that's going on through there. But I promise you this much, that Ishmael is that seed, is what I'm saying, that they all come from Ishmael. But I will tell you this, all the ones that did lead through Ishmael fought against God's people, every one of them in the Bible. You'll not find one that came through Ishmael's seed that did not fight against God and his people. Not one. It's the same way with Noah's. It's the same way you can find through Ham. It's the same exact way that you can find. And you can trace them all the way down Babylon. All I'm telling you is that the problem with that sin is it affected everything in their future. It affected everything, friend. And I'm telling you is that what it is is that everybody, all these people have went against God's plan because God's man went against God's will. 
God's man Abraham went against God's will. And so therefore, these people that are against God's, because of his decision, because of her decision, all the way down the road, they're still going against God's will. I'm telling you, you find Ham, you track him on up to Genesis chapter number 10, and you'll find there's Ham, there's his boy, there's his boy, and cursed be Canaan. You know, we understand every, every ite in the Bible beside the Israelites came from the Canaanites. And you know what happened? Every one of them went against God's people. I mean, all I'm telling you is that one sin matters. One sin matters. It matters so much because the sin in the tent with Noah and the sin here with Hagar, it mattered all down the future. It mattered. And you wonder, we wonder, we wonder why these scenarios are happening with our own children. And we wonder why this is happening. Because you're living in habitual sin. It might be your decision, Mama, that has caused your children to do this. It might be your decision, Daddy, that has caused your children to do this. All I'm telling you is that one sin matters. One sin matters. And one sin, one sin's enough sin to send you to hell. One sin. One sin, that's all it takes. That's all it takes to send you to hell. You're not going to ever live your life with one sin. But one sin's all it takes. All I'm telling you something, friend, is that we have to see that nothing ever catches God by surprise uh, and nothing ever gets in God's way. Uh, and God's will, God's will, uh, things do get in God's way. Hang tight on that one. I'm not going to ex- explain myself because I'm preaching but I'm not preaching on that. But things do get in God's will sometimes. Things do get in God's way. You can find that. Uh, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Some men come slack, but sought long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Are all coming to repentance? Okay, then something's gotten God's will. Amen. And it's, his, it's not His will that any should perish. The Bible says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that it's, that, that it's His will that all men be saved. Are all men being saved? No, something's gotten God's will. All I'm telling you something this morning or this afternoon is that there's a big problem with sin in America and in Mountain Valley Baptist Church. And what we do with it is going to handle our future. What you do with it is going to handle your future. If you decide to deal with it and get it out of the way now, you ain't, I'm, not, I'm not saying you've got to say, Oh, preacher, I've done this. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you need to get with God. I can't do a thing. But you need to get with God and get it right. You need to get with God and get it right uh, because that is not an excuse for evil and there's no excuse for it uh, but a reason to get up uh, and uh, get on the altar uh, and get it right with God. Therefore, when sin uh, is committed in your life, uh, do not run for it, rather run to God. Preacher, you come, you come play on the piano, please. I, I, I appreciate that. The Bible says for the child of God, the Bible says this, church, the Bible says if you'll, uh, if you'll confess your sins, He's faithful to just forgive you your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You believe that? Because I do. I believe that. And I, I, I prayed that God would not make me be mean-spirited about this message. Listen, I'm not mean-spirited. I love you. 
And I want, my, I want your life to be right with God. So many areas of our life have been addressed in this message, friend. Could we stand to our feet this morning? I'd, I'd sure appreciate it. I wouldn't be surprised if every single person in this room uh, who has not been directly spoken to in some way, shape, or form. Listen, I prayed and asked God, please God, allow me to preach this. Who am I? Who am I to preach this? Oh Lord, help us. We live in a world where sin is rampant and there's times where we react badly to trials and problems of life. But I tell you, friend, those sins and those bad reactions don't have to mark your life. They don't have to mark your life. Uh, and, and can I just tell you, Sarah, Sarah is going to be enough in your life. Sarah, there's a place uh, that you can have forgiveness and restoration. Uh, and we can get it from God. If you're not saved in here this morning, I want you to know that there's a God in heaven that loves you, uh, that died for your sins, that wants to save you from a devil's hell. He does. His altars are open. Obey God.